Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast. It's our 69th episode. This month, I'm again joined by Andy, our tech guy at GPS Training. Welcome, Andy, to this month's GPS Training Podcast. Thank you, John. Have you been up to much over the last month, Andy? Lots of running, cycling and walking, so and just co- the normal. <laughs> and a course last weekend as well. Yeah, lots of courses, actually, yeah. And you had sunshine over the weekend. I know, it's unique for me to have sunshine, isn't it? Hot, sunny weekend. I think you spent four days in the... Oh, three days in the rain in the Peak District, didn't you? Don't you and the Lake District prior the, to that, yeah. So we had glorious sunshine. So if people yeah. haven't seen the picture on our website, Andy in the sunshine in Northumberland on our Facebook page as well. In this month's GPS training podcast, we look at the range of Garmin Phoenix 7 GPS watches. Ahead of spy, ahead of Andy's spine challenge race in June. If you don't know what that is, don't worry, I'll tell you more. But in the podcast, we're going to discuss Andy's kit, what he's been training with, and what is he going to be taking with him on the event. And then we have Andy's top tips. So, without further ado, let's get on with this month's GPS training podcast. The first thing on this month's podcast is a look at Garmin's Phoenix 7 range of watches. In this range, there are three styles and models of watches. First one is the Garmin Phoenix 7 Sapphire Solar, Garmin Phoenix 7 Sapphire Solar, and the Garmin Phoenix 7X Sapphire Solar. So quickly, Andy, what's the difference between the 7S, the 7, and the 7X? The main thing is really the sizes. Um, and the sizes affects the battery as well. So without going too much into the technical spec, which you will find on our website, it's basically when you look at the 7S, that's the slimmer, smaller model. The 7, I suppose, is what we call the standard size model. And the 7X is the big one that gives you the most battery life. One extra thing with the 7X, you get the LED torch on it as well. Brilliant. And Sapphire Solar. So we just stock in the Sapphire Solar because we're what's called an outdoor account at Garmin they just give us the watches really that are meant for walkers hikers runners ultra events and all those outdoor activities which they are saying the sapphire screen and then the solar so what's the sapphire screen on the watch you it's a tough screen it's second to diamond really and how how hard and tough it is so really it's giving you a screen that's going to take a beating when it's outside hopefully not going to scratch and also of course solar is all about battery life we're going to go into that when we go through the features but it's giving you a watch that's going to be tough when you're outdoors and give you the best battery because they're all solar powered the ones that we're stocking brilliant so what we're going to do really in this bit of chat is look at look at what the big differences are really so if people don't know the phoenix uh, range of watches have been with us for many years now and it's really a wrist-based gps product and we've had various models and now we're up to the seven so what we're really looking at what are the key differences between the seven and the previous six version, isn't it? So, key thing, first of all, Andy, is a buttons and touchscreen, isn't it? That's a big difference. Yeah, it's the first time we've had a Phoenix watch with a touchscreen, which I know a lot of people were a bit worried, you know, what's touchscreen going to be like? I mean, the nice thing is when you're outdoors with it and you're recording an activity, as default, the touchscreen is deactivated. So it's not that it has to be on, but actually there's times I've been using the touchscreen and thought, hmm, that's a little bit easier, being able to move through um, menus, the glances, certainly when you're on the map, just being able to move, because these are watches that have a map on them, using the touchscreen to move the map around is a lot quicker than using the buttons. I think the key difference I found with the touchscreen is actually, with these watches, you do wear them as a smartwatch all the time, don't you? So again, when you're doing activities, you tend to just use the buttons the majority of the time. But if you're using and you're checking your, your Facebook or your WhatsApp and things on your watch, it's just far easier navigating with that touchscreen. Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there, really. It's when, when you're outdoors doing activities, the reason, we're not saying you don't want to use the touchscreen, but often your hands might be hot and sweaty. We know wet, moist hands on a touchscreen aren't always great. It's the British weather. We're outdoors. If it's raining, touchscreen not always great. So that's the nice thing. One, you can always turn it off anyway, even when you're using it as a smartwatch. But when you're doing activities, it's automatically disabled. But when you're sitting, maybe in the house, at home, at work, and you just wanted to scroll between the apps, have a look at messages that have come through, you can use the touchscreen, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised, actually, because we've used a lot of touchscreen watches in the past, and I'm pleasantly surprised how, how nice and well it works, the touchscreen on this new Phoenix. Next thing, really, is the Power Sapphire Glass. So this is quite a, a big step up, really, isn't it, compared to previous models? <laughs> yeah, because 
Garmin couldn't. Um, Sapphire screens, we know it's the tough screen. People want an outdoor watch with a tough screen, but they couldn't put the solar on the Sapphire for some reason on the older models. Technology's moved on, so it now means you can have the tough watch, that sort of anti-scratch screen, but also have the solar built in as well. And we're all wanting better battery life. I mean, that's the big thing for me with these watches is, you know, even the ones without solar, you look at the battery, it's great, but the ones with solar is just tremendous. You do have that copper sort of coloured ring around the outer edge of the watch. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but at the end of the day, that's what really, that, that actually takes in 100% of the lumens from the sun, but then the actual whole screen itself, I can't remember the exact figure, it's not 100%, but that pulls in the rays from the sun as well, just to give you that much better battery. And we're not talking about loads of wear, and there's actually, on the spec and on our frequently asked questions on our website, we'll go into a little bit more detail, but just being out with the watch on your wrist a couple of hours a day in the sun really boosts the battery. Yeah, it's something we talked about, I think we talked about the instinct just a few, well, this is the last podcast we talked about the instinct. It's so nice to actually be outside. If you're just like, you know, gardening or something like that, you see a battery life actually going up, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lovely and, and fantastic increase. You know, you're saying about the battery technology, you know, overall Phoenix 7, if it compares the Phoenix 6, is 33% better battery life. And when we're talking about the 7X compared to the 6X, we're upwards of 68%. It's a massive, I massive know. jump up. What a jump that is. It's amazing, isn't it, really? Um, premium materials now across all the models, isn't it? Where we just get the titanium on one model, we now have it across the whole range. Yeah, so we? they've now got the titanium bezel on all these Phoenixes that wear stock. And so all the ones have got the sapphire solar that we're stocking also have the titanium bezel which again is just the stronger harder wearing bezel if I remember rightly they use that terminology dlc which is yeah. diamond as it diamond laser cut i think, I think so yeah. but it's, it just looks nice and it's hard wearing yeah. at the end of the day it's a little bit lighter as well yeah so the weight on it's funny the the watches you know we've got better battery yeah. in theory some of the watches have got a little bit bigger but the weight hasn't went up the weight's actually come down a little bit mm -hmm. so that's nice as well i always chuckle at that because the, the weight is so insignificant really <laughs> it's only talking about a few grams but <laughs> it's better that someone goes down in weight and improves rather than going up in weight but if you have a pork pie before you do your activity you put on about three pounds <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> And the other thing now is the, the multiband. It's the first GPS watch that we've seen multiband. We've seen it on the handheld GPS units um, just coming in with a 65 range, 66 SR range. Um, again, it's 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 nice to see this coming into the watch, isn't it? Yeah, it's in, it's interesting when you get into that multiband. It's it's working in two slightly different ways. I hadn't, I hadn't quite realised until I've started reading the spec. So what we're normally used to is a Garmin watch where you can have it as GPS only. So it's only picking up one set of satellites, which is the American satellites. Or you could say, pick up GPS and GLONASS or GPS and Galileo. So GPS and Galileo is the American satellites and the European satellites. But you couldn't have all those three together. The way it now works with this multiband, there's two things. You can't have it with just GPS, but it has a multi-GNS setting where the way it's worded and the way I've read it, and I'm pretty sure this is correct when I've went into it, I've had to read it a few times to understand it. It looks for the best two satellites. It will pick GPS and GLONASS or GPS and Galileo, depending which are the best two. So that uses slightly less <clears throat> battery than the full multiband, obviously maybe a bit more than the GPS only, but it's giving you that really good accuracy. But the real big one, so that's different to me, that it potentially it's looking to what is the best pairing. Yeah. But then when you have it on multiband GNSS, it is then picking up those three and all the other ones that they've added. So they've added in some of them, it depends where you are, in the world so they've got the japanese ones um one of the asian ones but again you have to be in that part of the world but it's the fact if you do turn on that full multi-band gnss you will be picking up potentially gps glonass and galileo all together fantastic and amazing accuracy again in this country i don't think really we put it to test it but again if you look online there's a lot of people in america go down in the in the channels in the in the gorges and things and yeah. really testing and showing the improved accuracy 
And I think by by a long way, it's the, the most accurate Phoenix watch to date, isn't and it? And the speed of it locking on. I mean, I know the talk about battery life. I mean, I'm going to go into that in a bit more detail again when we talk about things later. But I've actually, on the watch that I'm using, the one that I've got and I'm doing the videos on, I've got it turned on with the, the full multiband GNSS. So it is the, the function where it's picking up all of them. I did initially have it on the one where it looks for the best two pairing. And I haven't really noticed loads of difference in battery. I'm not saying you won't. I'm not saying on long, long treks that you would maybe nudge that down a setting from the full multiband to the one where it's just looking for repair. But I've still found the battery life great with that turned on. Brilliant. All of them. And then the big update is the global maps. We have the ability now, don't we, to download maps for anywhere in the world. So the top active mapping is what they come pre-installed with. Traditionally, we always got the, well, we all got the European because we're, well, we yeah. were in Europe. Um, uh, but now we can just download maps for anywhere, can't we? Yeah, so the, the range that we stock, um, the Sapphire ones that come with the pre-loaded maps, some of you, if you haven't had a watch that's come from yourself, some of the Phoenix 7s don't come with any maps on. But you, you get them for free. You have to download them yourself. But it was always, like John said there, if you're in Europe, you got the Topo Active Europe maps. That's all you could put from Garmin on the watch. I've just done a video actually for the online resource where I show how you can download the maps. And I'm not planning to go to New Zealand or Australia, but I just use that as an example. I searched for all the different maps I could add to my own watch. And New Zealand and Australia was one of them. And the other thing is you always have to use... Um, a computer with Garmin Express and your computer plugged in to download the maps. What I've just shown on a video is with the Phoenix 7 range now, you actually pair your watch with the Wi-Fi in your house and then you can select and download the maps to the watch using Wi-Fi as well. So that's different. It's brilliant. So you can just sit back in your house, watch the television and just download maps directly onto it. Well, your maps load, yeah. We take that PC or Mac out of the equation. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And, and also you get the ski maps as well. I know a lot of people do use them for skiing and they are free, aren't they? No? Yeah, I know. So I had the ski maps already loaded on mine as well. So you get right. them as part of the package. They're pre-loaded yeah. on them, yeah. aren't they? Because they actually show, for people who go to ski resorts, it actually shows all the runs when you're actually in the ski resorts. It tells you if it's a hard run, a medium run, that sort of thing. Yes. From what I, I've not been skiing myself, but I can see that when you look at the maps. Yeah. I've got quite a few friends who are keen skiers and they go off at the Phoenix and come back, they rave about it because suddenly yeah. it tells you all the red runs and, and this kind of thing. So I really love about it. Other new feature is this what's called up ahead again. Um, it's just different form of navigation, isn't it? Really? Yeah, they've, they've got. The, I mean, I haven't done a lot yet with the up ahead. I think I'll get more into that as I start putting more routes on the watch as I go through the videos and start using it more and more. But what I understand the up ahead does, it's really if you've done a route at the minute, as far as I can see, using Garmin Connect. So use the Garmin Connect app on a phone or a computer when you plan a route that way and it's sent to the watch. You can actually go. It's a screen we used to, we have on the handheld unit. It's called Active Routing, where you can see where you are on the route and what waypoints you've maybe marked are coming up. Now, I found at the minute when I'm using our say the OS app and our OS route planner and things like that, I'm still getting turn by turn routing, which I can talk about, but I'm not getting those up ahead. So I think it's maybe something that needs a little bit of work, and we'll probably find out more. There'll probably be customers out there will be able to let us know how they've been using it because I have seen various forums where people talk about oh if you use this app to do your route and send it it will add them but as far as i can understand at the minute it seems to be linked to using garmin connect as the actual route planning which i know isn't always ideal when you're doing a an uh, an off the beaten track yep. route it's okay for your cycling and road cycling it works fine but yeah. no it'll be interesting to see how that works you know it's famous going to be like a route card isn't it you walk along this flight 1.6 kilometers then you're going to turn right for a mile or whatever it is or yeah. kilometers isn't it I, th I think it's more to be honest what they're saying it is it's not so much the looking at the turn by turn ahead which you can do anyway even with the type of routes that we send from our os route planner it's more showing you a list of things you've marked ahead so right. you when you plan a route in garmin connect I suppose it's like what we would call a via point or a waypoint marked as part of a route. You can say, this is a nice lunch stop. This is a nice viewpoint. It's showing you those points. So don't, I suppose it's not confusing it with a turn-by-turn routing. It's something separate. Um, it's more to do with seeing a point ahead and what you've named it, which right. at the minute seems to be done via the Garmin Connect app. Fantastic. <clears throat> Real-time stamina is something, again, I think it's more based at the... the the high-end fitness side of it, isn't it? The, 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 the real-time stamina, when I first started wearing the watch and I went to the screen real-time stamina, there was nothing there. <laughs> 
I'd obviously thought I was I had no stamina. <laughs> what I've worked out is, and again, reading the spec and reading how it works, what, what your Phoenix 7 watch will do over time, as you start recording more and more activities, it's looking at your heart rate, it's looking at your pulse ox using the VO2 readings, looking at your times and your speed. It's taking all this information about what you're doing. And then what you'll find is once you've got a few activities recorded, when you load something in your watch to do, so you've sent maybe a course to your watch, it could be a run, a hike, and you start that navigation, one of the screens then gives you information to say, hey, your stamina level, Look, it's looking at your sleep pattern as well, I forgot that one. It's then saying, well, based on your sleep, yeah, your typical VO2, your oxygen levels, your heart rate that you've got at the moment and seeing how fast you're moving, it'll give you a percentage on the screen and say, hey, 95%, you've got loads of stamina, just keep going at what you're doing. You suddenly start going really fast and it sees your heart rate going up and it, you know, potentially, the oxygen levels aren't as good. It's looking at all that data and saying, hey, your stamina's a bit low now, maybe slow down a bit, take a break. Probably need to read into it a bit more as I start doing more activities with the watch, but that's giving you a gist of what it's trying to do. It's quite interesting because when we move on to the next conversation, which is you know, the ultra event world, so yeah. that's the kind of thing where I think we can massively useful because actually yeah. as you're coming down, instead of you just like hitting that wall and going, I've, I've come to the end, I've got nothing, you can see that actually, you know what? My stamina is at 20%. Actually, I'm going to stop, have something to eat, maybe asleep, and when you wake up, your stamina is now at this. Yeah. And I think that's the big difference, isn't it, really? So instead of just walking until you're zero, yeah. you'd be able to see. Because actually, in in, in in this way, this the stamina should, if you go walk slowly or stop, it's going to go up, isn't it, yeah. during yeah. that activity? But, so but it's from all the data it yeah. gets about you, which why I thought, why is it not seeing it straight away? Because I hadn't recorded any activity, so it doesn't know what my normal heart rate is. It doesn't know what my normal pace is. So once you get a few activities recording, I, can't, I wish I'd written down a, a figure, but it just suddenly the screen appeared and I thought, ah, I've recorded a few runs, a few walks, a cycle ride. All of a sudden that screen was there with data. It's clever, isn't it? That's clever. Good how it works. Great yeah. technology. And then real-time setting sync, isn't it? Which is something new that we've not had before on it, isn't it? This, this is really useful, to be honest. I mean, at the minute... Um, I'm doing training videos that show you how you set up the watch in the traditional way where you turn the watch on, yes, you pair it with the Garmin Connect app, but then you manually go into the watch and say, these are the activities I want to do. These are the data boxes I want to see when I'm doing a certain activity. All those sort of settings that you're used to setting up manually on your Phoenix 5, your Phoenix 6 watch, what's changing. It doesn't sound like it's a big thing, but I tell you, it, when I get into those videos, you'll see how easy it is. What you can basically do using the Garmin Connect app now, which you couldn't do with the older Phoenix watches, is say, oh, I'm going to add this activity. I'm running. That sounds simple, yeah? Well, you know, how hard's that to do in the watch? But to actually then start saying, I want to see this data. I want to see this screen. Oh, I want the data box layout to look like this. I want to see these data fields. All those things can be done on the watch, but they take time. I sure it's been done on the watch. It's not, I find it, I say I'm fairly straightforward because I've done it for years, but actually just being able to do it on your phone screen and just adapt and be very flexible to say, ah, I don't like those screens now. I want to quickly change them. It is a lot quicker doing it from the Connect app. So, mate, I think that's a key thing because what, when you do each of those activities, you make your screens exactly how you want them, isn't it? So yeah. things like when you're walking, I want a grid reference. Actually, when I'm, when I'm running, I might not want that or something along those lines. So you can tailor that. And you can actually tailor the number of screens that give you information on each oh, of those. Everything people. you can think about. And I tell you what, I mean, I don't mean to say it was freaky, but they say instant, literally. I had something on my watch where I think it was set to say metric and it was showing a distance in meters and kilometers. And I was fiddling with the watch, changing that setting. And as the Bluetooth sent it across, I've seen the screen on the watch change. So when you make these settings, it's not like a, it's syncing all the time. So you suddenly change three screens, the data boxes, some settings about whether you prefer metric or statute. It's everything to do with the settings in the watch. One little sync and it just changes instantly. So it's just a much quicker way of setting up your watch and making it uh, to how you want it to be, basically. And then finally, on the X version, the 7X model, we've got this built-in flashlight, which Andy's smiling at now. So every I talk to, even when, when this was first launched, pre-launched, we had a bit of a briefing from Garmin, and they, and they were raving about this flashlight. And I thought, 
Really? I'm getting too excited yeah. about a flashlight. I, found it, I was listening to the Garmin's launch uh, podcast, the same as John, or the, you know, the video they did, and the guy comes on, he says, and the bit I've been waiting for right at the end, my favourite bit, you know, I'm not, I hope I'm not insulting any Americans out there. They were just, very, of course, it's the manufacturer, so they're going to be very enthusiastic. So the American guy from Garmin was really bigging it up. We nearly had a drum roll, and it's the flashlight. I think the girls in the office were laughing because they thought I was being, you know, what's what's so good about a flashlight on a watch? But I tell you what, once you start using it, so this is on only the 7X range, the amount of times I've been... Um, out and about, and I know we all get, you know, we use our phones sometimes as a quick torch and that, but just as a simple way, it's on your wrist, your hands are free. I've set it up as one of the hotkeys, so it's just a quick button and it's a really bright torch. And I mean, I've thought about things like I've got a head torch when I'm doing nighttime navigation. Suddenly the batteries go on my head torch, the very low. It's a way I can just quickly, with one button press on my watch, have a very bright torch to then go into my rucksack to get batteries out to put in my head torch. Mm-hmm. It's a useful... Um, I don't know. I think it's useful. And the one thing I don't know if people realise, it's not just the torch for you to turn on. You can actually set it on your activities so that after sunset in the evening when it's dark and you're running, say, you can set it for walking as well, but when you're running, you can have it based on the cadence of your arm swinging. When your arm swings forward, you've got a bright LED in front of you. And when your arm swings back, it's a red LED. I would still always run in the dark with a head torch on, but it's just that extra bit of safety where you've got this LED flashing on your wrist and it's very clear and you can see it from quite a distance away. Does it use much of your battery when you use it? I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't used it an awful lot. Um, well yes no i have used it a lot but you don't put it on for i've not had it on or there's it on for 20 minutes you know it's been i'm trying to see something i haven't really used it yet to be able to comment on the this cadence and using it when you're running from what i've read in the reviews and that they're talking about it not actually using an awful lot of battery i think until i try that Mm. i'll be honest with it and let you know but i still think it's a useful feature to have it even just for that quick put it on for 30 seconds to get something out your backpack to put some batteries in your head torch Mm. it's not a gimmick yeah so is your sat here proudly with the phoenix 7x on your wrist he's looking at it here with the uh yeah. the lovely blue um mineral it's blue mineral blue with the white strap just something different and you'll see it on all the training videos if you've bought a watch from us and you start watching the training videos it's the phoenix 7x with the white strap and the mineral blue that i'm using for the videos so what's your summary after wearing it and learning all about it andy what's your thoughts on it i mean my first thoughts really is going to be the battery yeah we're going to move on to things that i'm going to be doing in the future mm-hmm. and i really wanted someone with good battery mm-hmm. so it might seem i mean i had a phoenix six before great watch why have you jumped up to the seven the you know we've said ourselves you're potentially seeing on some of the ways you're using it and with a solar a 68 percent mm-hmm. battery increase Amazing. so really it's the battery i am liking the other features i mean the torch i've said you know i do like having the torch there mm-hmm. that's not the be all end all it wasn't the make and break of of moving on to this watch but i think having the touchscreen again i found that so useful maybe more when i'm using it as a smartwatch but i don't know anything you can add to make it easier and i i am one of these who quite dabbles a little bit with the settings and i go and do certain activities and if i'm doing an activity where i'm training for something i want to see lots of boxes about speed and pace but then sometimes when i'm not doing an event i don't really want to see those boxes and i think it's just so much quicker going into the app and being able to change them so, I mean, to be honest, if we went for all the features we've just said, I like all of them. They all give me an advantage, but it's to me, I suppose, the battery life's the big one. Mm-hmm. Battery life. And the touchscreen. I think and the, the touchscreen, touchscreen yeah. I think it gives you a lot more flexibility when you're wearing as a small. I must actually just say before we, we finish off here, do you know, if people have seen the walk and talk, you'll see my wife has got one on her wrist as well. And, and I'll be honest with you, when I said, oh, here's a new Phoenix, she, was, she wasn't overly excited about it. She kind of went, all right, okay, that's brilliant. I'm, but I'm happy with my other one. She enjoyed it. And she just totally like she likes the color of the old one and this kind of thing but actually when she started using it she very much liked it like the touchscreen oh this is nice this is good and i think i keep going back to the way the touchscreen works it's very um sensitive but not not too sensitive is yeah. it really nice we want to get the gestures you can swipe from the side swipe up and down yeah. go into pages and things come out of pages That's really good. nice and intuitive to use isn't it so what you've been doing over the last week or a couple of weeks and he's doing all the training videos for the online resource how are you doing with those yeah well, no we're getting on well all of the sort of getting the watch up and running and the basics of the watch have done i'm busy working on the final navigation ones where we're covering more to do with mark and waypoints and navigating with the watch and then really the last couple of sections are going to be on using the garmin connect app 
in the explore app um i mean the videos we do i mean i don't know how many they'll end up in total there'll be there'll be more than 40 videos i'm sure we're not going to cover every single screen and every single thing you do with a watch but i think it's a good grounding for anyone who buys a watch from us to see these videos that really do get you going what you'll probably find is watching the videos you'll then discover some of the other apps and menus but what we've shown you on the getting started will get you going with those things as well and we evolve all the time if we find we're getting asked questions a lot on something we haven't done a video on we'll add a video for that feature but we're trying to cover as much as the the getting going with the watch and all the standard sort of features that people would like you know normally tend to use and this is the key thing if you buy a watch from ourselves at gps training is we're going to give you a free access to this online resource if you bought it elsewhere that's shame on you um, you can pay 50 pound a year to have access to these training videos and he says it's something we work on all the time when we get feedback from customers we'll add videos into that online resource and i'm amazed and i've got a lot of friends with phoenix watches on the wrist and actually often they've just got them because they, they like them but actually they don't know how to use them but the great thing is you've heard from Andy he goes in exploring that he's playing with it understanding it going to forums listen to what people are saying and putting these videos in and you will get you no know, you will get 95% out of your watch if you buy it from ourselves you get access to the online training and I know it just it just makes life so the thing is we're using the watches for ourselves like John we've got them on our wrists so if you, you buy your watch from us as well as that online resource you get the email and telephone support so if you've got a question you're stuck often it tends to be emails I get through someone will email with me a few questions because we're wearing the watch and we're out using the watch we can then go and try what that customer's trying to do if there's something not right not working suss it out and get back to them with an answer so that's part of your package when you buy from us it's not just the the, the online resource it's the fact you've got people at the end of an email and a phone who are using the watches every day which we are and i think that's <clears> the key thing and i get a few people on youtube who ask me questions about the watch we've done watch videos and to be honest with the greatest respect, if you've not bought a watch from us, I'm not going to task Andy to go for a walk around the block and work out what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. But you have, we do, and that's exactly what we do, and that's what makes us quite unique. So yeah. if you are thinking about buying a Phoenix 7 range of GPS watches, please just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, then GPS store in the top menu bar, and then GPS watches. The next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is a chat with Andy regarding the kit he's training on as he builds up to the Montaigne Summer Spine Challenger Race in June. So if people don't know, we've had other guests on the podcast who've done something like this. So first of all, Andy, what is the Spine Challenger Race? How far is it? And uh, <coughs> why? How have I got into this yet? <laughs> so um, the Montaigne Spine, um, they do a lot of events, not just in this country, Um great organization but the main thing that a lot of people know them for is the montane spine spine events which are the pennine way um, they do a few different events um they've added different distances um the last year the one that i'm doing is the spine challenger race so that's 108 miles we have got people doing the full length of the pennine way which is amazing this is where you're timed and you're doing it in a certain time period i can't remember what the time period is for the full one but i don't think at this stage that's something i could attempt myself um they do it in the winter and they do it in our summer as we know our good friend paul freeman he's done the winter ones before so the one i'm doing is in the it's in the summer it's in june so it's 108 miles and it's the first section of the pennine way from edale to hard row which is near um, just just past Hawes. Right. So that's what I'm doing there. How did I get into doing this? That's a good question. So how long have you got to do it in? Oh, then? sorry, so yeah, six or so 60 hours we've 60 got hours, to do right. it in. Um, the record is something like 23 hours. I mean, you got to remember there's professional and semi-professional ultra runners out there who do this for a living. It's tremendous when you see the times mm -hmm. that they do it in. I'm not expecting us to do it in that sort of time, but uh, it sort of came about with um, a good friend of mine, Jane, did it last year. Um, bless her she didn't she just about completed it raised a lot of money for charity didn't quite get to the end wanted to do it again and she'd asked me a few times about doing it and I thought I don't know I've never done it I suppose like an ultra event is what we'd call it like this I think the furthest I've ever run is half marathons like the Great North Run I've done lots of long distance walks you know where I've maybe the most I've maybe done in a day is 25 30 miles but not 108 miles non-stop so I think it was just night, you know, I was, I'm pleased just as to be honest. And I think it's, you get to that time in life sometimes where you just need a challenge. And I like to challenge myself and I haven't really done anything like this before. And I thought it's a good opportunity as well to raise some money for some good charities. 
and I think you know we've talked about this before on podcasts and that I think mentally you know I've suffered over the years with a bit of anxiety and things like that getting outdoors doing the job we do is great for that but actually giving yourself a challenge and a focus and something to aim for and something you've never done before really helps with that situation as well and it makes you go out and do some walking doesn't it, yeah, it that's, makes a key you train. Thing, that's the key <laughs> thing I found with this when you get that date in your diary you look and go actually I cannot just uh, not go for that walk on a Friday night or a Saturday I need to go out and do it otherwise yeah. you're not going to get there and it makes you do it you know, sometimes you think oh I'll just get fish and chips on the way home it's Friday night you no. know no, I need my walking boots on I'm going to go out and do well, my you, X miles you've things. heard about some of my I mean a lot of my walks are on the weekends but mm. I mean we are the, my friend who I'm doing it with um, her husband's a farmer so very you know she works full time like we do but she's also helping out on the farm it's lambing at the minute so it's trying to squeeze things in you know, quite a few Fridays, you know, I'll turn up at a house on seven o'clock on a Friday evening when most people are thinking of maybe chilling in front of the telly and having a drink. We've been doing that in the winter as well. And we're out on the Simon Side Hills round where we live at 11 o'clock at night, midnight, getting back at half one in the morning because we've got to get that training in. Plus, we've got to practice nighttime navigation as well. Very good. <clears throat> all the training going well then? Yep. Yeah, I mean, need to push myself a bit more. I think it's all about now time on feet and trying to move past these, oh, we're doing these 15-mile, 20-mile walks. Mm. We have, I mean, we did do half the coastal path, which was about 34 miles in Northumberland coastal path. We're at that, that stage now where we need to step it up a bit. We're planning in a few weeks to do the full Northumberland coastal path, which you'll know, John, I think it's 64 miles, yeah, it's is it? 64 miles, In yeah. under 24 hours, but just non-stop, maybe an hour's sleep. Well, so, Andy, not so, under 24, you have to beat 22 and a half tw- hours. Is that where you did it in? <laughs> tw- okay, 22 and a half hours, we'll see if we can do it in. But it's about that time on feet now and really just keeping my pace mm-hmm. going. It's hard sometimes you go out with friends who are there to help you, which is great, but then you find you, you're doing that nice, relaxed pace that we all normally do when we're enjoying a walk, and I think we've just got to now focus on getting my head down time on feet and actually pushing that pace i've said this to you um not on the podcast but but with this when you're training for an event you've got to be quite selfish you've got to be saying to people i I need to go and do this whether it's with your walking partner on your own because actually you need to know what you can do don't you it's not a case of like i totally respect what you're saying there. i've got friends oh come with you well i don't really want you to come with me i need to just go out on my own and just get the miles and understand that i'm going to walk at this speed because actually it's not it's not really a casual six mile yeah. walk on a Sunday afternoon, is it? When you're talking about doing the distance you are, it's quite serious. I mean, I've appreciated all the support, don't get it wrong, it's nice to go out. And to be honest, I still enjoy going out with people and doing that type of walk. But I think we're getting that stage where we're going to start doing some of these yeah. biggies where, to be honest, if I start asking friends, do you fancy doing 64 mile in 22 hours during the night? They probably don't want to come yeah, and do that exactly anyway. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So moving on to the kit then, which is what the chat is about. So what kit have you been using and getting to grips with what you enjoyed, what have you not enjoyed really. So let's start off with your GPS unit. If anybody's been on a course with Andy, you know he's got an 86i, which is the same as a 66i, but it's the uh, the floaty version, is that yeah. correct? So yeah, so other than obviously the safety kit and the clothing, I'm looking at the kit that I'm taking, the kit that I suppose links me to work and the job I do, yeah. the kit that we have to take for navigation and other things. So, yeah, GPS-wise, um, the organisers will tell everyone who's doing the montane, yes, we, we need a, ma- a paper map and a compass, but when you're out on the Pennines, it's blowing a gale, it's raining, it's snowing, all the weather we can get, whether it be June or the winter, and you're trying to read your map, it's difficult. So the GPS you really do need with that route on. And they, they insist you do have a GPS unit. So the on the winter one, you've got to. On the summer one, they highly recommend you right, do. Okay. I don't, I must admit, they have brought out a new kit list that I need to go through that just came out recently so, um, from the one I originally had. Whether they've changed it and said compulsory, but I must admit, you'll find most people on it on the summer one do have one because the weather in this country, as we know, and I know from my friend doing it last year, chucking down the rain one night, getting the map out when it's you know wet and windy is hard. So yeah, no, it's really for the navigation so we can just keep going. It's all about speed, you know, we're time getting to checkpoints, we've got that time to do it in. We don't want to be messing about with the map. We want the map there as backup in case we need it. But I've got so the unit I use is the GPS map 86i. So it's a push button unit. Um it's got decent sized screen, a three-inch screen. If I do get a lovely sunny day, which I hope we do get some sun in June, it's sunlight readable. If it's chucking down the rain and dark. It doesn't matter because it's backlit and because it's buttons i'm not worrying about a touchscreen being wet 
and it's a reasonably slim size, so it fits nicely in the sort in this the, the backpack I've got for doing the soldier event. So it's fairly compact. You know, it's just giving you the reasons why I've yeah. went for the one I've got. It's it's got a built-in battery. Um, I did think mm, if I'd done the right thing, built-in battery. It was the only option Garmin have if you want. Mine's got the eye at the end, so it's this in-reach technology so that if anything was to happen, I've got the SOS button. I can do that two-way messaging when I've got no mobile signal and friends and family can track me. So really with a built-in battery, I'll, I'll move on to something else I'm carrying, which will help with that. But I found the battery life great and I've got Ordnance Survey maps on it. Fantastic. So that's covering the really the... The GPS and they've device. given you the GPX bar for that event as well, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, so they've given us the route as well. Now, on the Montaigne, they do give you one of their trackers that you sit on your rucksack, but it's nice to know I've got friends and family who can track me on my inReach as well, so there's two ways they'll be able to track me. Brilliant. Let's move on to the watch then. So your Phoenix 7X is on your wrist as well. That will be there as a backup, or are you going to navigate with it, or what, what's In- the plans? Interesting. Really? The initial plans when I was talking to people who have done it before was potentially, you know, you probably, you know, may use the handheld GPS more. Thinking of, you know, maybe the night time when I want that bigger screen, it's dark, would I be able to get away with a watch? I wear reading glasses. And I was thinking, a bit like you've just said, the watch is a backup. But the more and more I've talked to people doing these events, and actually my friend who did it last year is a great example, because she's got a Phoenix watch, a Phoenix 6 watch. She's got a GPS device that she got from ourselves. One of our trade-in, I think it was a GPS 64S. She thought the same, but when she actually, Jane, did it last year, it was the watch that you, she used. You want your hands free. You've got a lot going on. You, if you're carrying poles as well, which you, you tend to be using trekking poles, and just for speed, she found because she's got the root on the watch, not necessarily needing that big screen. And a lot of them, you know, the Pennine way is well marked. Mm-hmm. And just being able to glance at the watch and the watch buzzing to say a turn left, you know there's a right hand turn there's a left hand turning up she actually found yes it was handy having that big screen for the occasional time but she actually used the watch more than the handheld so i think it might be more the handheld being used for people tracking me and for just when i need to see that bigger picture maybe my eyes are a little bit tired and we're stopping and having a break and want to look further ahead and look at the route but i think the watch is going to get more use Mm -hmm. very good excellent and then how are you going to power these then? Because the the watch should survive. I mean, to be honest, the reason that one of the reasons going for the seven X is potentially it's got seventy two hours on GPS. Mm-hmm. Now I know that means not necessarily having everything turned on, potentially turning off the heart rate if I don't want that on and things like that. I'll probably leave all those things on. We know the watches charge so quick, and I will have time. It um, certainly one of the checkpoints, even if I've just got to charge the watch the once, that would be great. So I am carrying some power packs because we've got to keep my phone turned on all the time in case the organisers need to ring you, which might be difficult sometimes because it's not always a mobile reception mm-hmm. on the Pennine Way. But you've got to think about your phone, um, the GPS, I suppose, the GPS device, sorry, so my 86i and the watch. So the what I'm doing is I've got one of our Sports 25 Power Travellers. Mm-hmm. That's the first one I've got. I went for that one initially because it's a lightweight power pack. It's only weighs, I think it's 187 grams. It's waterproof. It's got IP67 rating. Nice and compact. Got a built-in torch if I need it. But it's 6,700 milliamp hours. So my thoughts were that that'll charge my GPS device here once and my phone once, which is all I might need. Mm-hmm. It's depending whether, do I get a second one of those just so the watch as well in case I need to charge the watch up. But then the other thought is we get this checkpoint that we stop it where we can stop and plug things into sockets. Now, interestingly, I've learned from talking to other people and advice that you get to the checkpoint and everyone's using the sockets. So what I've actually done, we have a kit bag at the checkpoint. So I've put in a Goal Zero Venture 75, which if anyone looks on our website, that's quite a big power pack it's not one that i would potentially put in my rucksack i have known people with them in the rucksack but it's 1009 sorry 19200 milliamp hours so it's nearly twenty thousand milliamp hours so that really is going to charge me me phone a few times the gps a couple of times and the watch seven or eight times way more than i need but my thoughts are when i get to that checkpoint Rather than fighting for plugs, I'll have it already with all the cables hanging out of it marked for the the watch and the GPS. 
and I'll pull that out of my kit bag and just sit having a, an hour's break, a couple hours break at the checkpoint with everything charging. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing how quickly they do charge off those power charge, packs yeah. and it's really good. Especially the watch. Yeah. I know when I do my events, I use the uh, power, uh, the gold zero rather than I just want to slept my first night for three hours and four hours. Makes I kept everything just, I just plugged it in. You've got multiple sockets, as you yeah. rightly say. It quickly quick just charges. Well. It gets back up to 85% or something like that and you're away and uh, yeah, it yeah. just gives that. So, yeah, so the, the Power Traveler Sport 25 is the nice compact yeah. one to keep in my rucksack case i need it it's there for emergencies mm-hmm. but the really big venture 75 gold zero will be in my kit bag at the checkpoint so i'm not fighting over plug sockets mm-hmm. and i can pull it out the cables will all be in i'll have them all marked up because if i'm tired i'll know which cables which i'll put big labels on them plug the bits that i need to plug in for an hour or two while i get some kip if i do and then on i go you know so that's that's that bit of kit that i'm carrying and then the next thing is your head torch isn't it really yeah we've got to carry a head torch of course that's compulsory spare batteries or they ask you to carry two head torches um i know that you know this is stuff we sell and there's other makes out there um we got in the new range of silver head torches and i just wanted something that was reliable decent battery not too heavy decent lumen strength and of course when we got the silver ones and i thought well it's a brand we know and trust it's a swedish brand that make our compasses let's give it a try so i've been using it for me running during the winter as i've been training and i've got the one called the silver trail runner free i suppose the reason i went for it i didn't want anything less than 400 lumen i'm like I think it was about 300 lumens i was looking at sorry so that one's got 400 lumens so good when i'm going down a steep a steep bank and i really want to see ahead you can't turn that down to save battery if you're just running on a flat uh, more even path and you just want to point and straight in front of you so decent lumens i like the fact with the silver trail runner free it's the trail runner range of silver head torches that we stock something i've not seen on a head torch before you get an extension cable with the battery so you can actually take the battery pack and drop it on an in, in an inside pocket one that takes all that well not there's a lot of weight but it takes the weight of the battery pack from your head but it means if the battery's in an inside pocket it's staying warm and that really helps with the battery lasting mm-hmm. very good excellent so we've had your gps unit your watch we'll discuss power packs then head torches again great thing about the head torch that extension cable to keep it warm anything else that you've been that non-electrical kind of gear that well, actually been... you know we sell aqua packs at work yeah. and i've actually got um I haven't got one for my phone. Mine's quite a big phone, so I'll have to check what we've got Ooh. for that. But I actually got... Because um, you've got to carry a map as well. And I thought, it's no good if that map then gets wet. So I've got one of our... I think it was one of the Aquapack map yeah. cases. So that's another thing. See, I, I'm lucky working here because I, I can come into work and just shop with my shopping bag. Um, so yes, that's not electrical. Um, we have a bit... I mean, we have, I'll not go through everything. We'll maybe talk about it again on another podcast when we get closer to it. But you have a full list of the clothing you've got to carry, first aid kit, all that sort of stuff. I think the main thing for me was, because I've never ran this sort of distance or walked this sort of distance, was my feet. And you know, because you've done these sort of events before and it's looking after your feet. So what I've been trying to test over the last few months and it's been hard trying to work out what works best it's socks and do i wear boots do you wear mm-hmm. felvin and trainers that sort of thing so non-electrical and non-work related i suppose regards to products other makes are available when we say this i've been using a range i've done if you've come across Soconi trainers mm-hmm. recommended to me a long time ago so i've got a couple of pairs actually i've got three pairs now because i've just been bought a third pair a recent uh, birthday so i've got three pair of soconi fell running trainers and what i was told with this sort of event is not to get waterproof trainers or you probably find the boots too much for the distance you want something that if the water gets in it can then dry and escape but it's what you wear on your feet sock wise when it's raining so i've actually been testing probably come across seal skins mm. before and other makes available and I've been trying this make called 360 Dry. And I'm just trying to work out what makes best, what's more comfortable. We've been out in some terrible weather the last few months where my feet, ha- you know, the trainers have been soaked. But, you know, wearing the different socks, I'm finding out which ones work best and which ones keep my feet dry. Very good. Brilliant. So if people want to support you, Andy, have we got a Just Giving page? So if you want to support Andy, Just Giving Andy? Yep. So what I'm doing it for, just so you know what the causes are, um, Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue, very close to my heart. 
Um, again, Paul Freeman, who does a lot of work with us, he's one of the members of the Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue, and he's been helping me with training and advice for the event. Um, so that's the first charity. The second charity is a charity called MS Research, um, which is based actually in Morpeth, close to where we are. And the reason I've picked those two charities, not just because of Paul, our friend and colleague that we know, my next door neighbour, um, who's helped me again with the event and being back up in support. He used to be in the Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue and sadly lost his wife a couple of years ago. A very good friend of ours, next door neighbour, um, who was also in the Mountain Rescue, but it was MS, unfortunately, that um, she when she developed MS, she had to leave the Mountain Rescue. And, and that was the cause, you know, what happened, you know, she died a couple of years ago. So I think those two charities close to me heart, the fact I've got my next door neighbour helping me as well. And if I can be just yeah, given pages, is that okay? And I, yeah, and I'll put a link on the uh, show notes as so well. So if anyone would like to sponsor me for Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue and the MS charity, my just given page is www.justgiving.com and then it's forward slash team, T-E-A-M, forward slash Andy and then my surname which is air spelt A Y for Yankee R for Romeo E for Echo Spine S-P-I-N-E Challenger and I know you're going to put a link as well yeah that's it. brilliant so I'll put a link in the show notes if anyone wants to support Andy you, uh, please do that and I'll also put it in the newsletter that is going to go out at the same time as this podcast so again hopefully there'll be a link people can click on there and uh, yeah you can support these two great charities uh, that I know Andy would be hugely um, appreciative of it and uh, keep him motivated so actually when he hits his 90 mile wall (laughs) (laughs) he'll look and go I've got to do it because of these people who have done it uh, thank you for the plug as well much appreciated that's very good so if you can support Andy in this that'd be very much appreciated and it's really nice that he could share his thoughts and you can imagine I I, I smile here because Andy does um, live in a uh, work in a uh, sweet shop really because he looks around at at the place and sees all the nice gear around him and uh, actually Andy and I in separate offices and he sometimes just appears by my side and says uh, what can I have this for and so he's, he's been thinking long and hard and there's his aquapack or there's his latest gadget well, my wife wanted. said what would you like for your birthday I said I'll just go to work and have a look around the shelves and let you know <laughs> it's good so we always have a bit of a a bit of a chuckle and uh, it's really good it's joking aside it's really nice because then he's trying the the kit we, we've got around us he's, he's honest uh, and as you know Andy's been able to cast uh, for many times and uh good honest uh, feedback that we get as well so yeah good luck for Andy from all, all the listeners as well as myself next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Andy's top tips so two quick top tips Andy Phoenix 7 watches um, we may have a stick with the watch theme going forward then yeah so the Phoenix 7 watch loved using the touch screen we've talked about the touch screen there's a quick setting on the watch the way you can turn on and off the touchscreen so yes there's preset settings on your phoenix 7 where if you're recording an activity touchscreen's turned off if you're not recording an activity and you're just using it on a watch touchscreen's turned on but you've got the option to toggle it on and off while you're in those different options dead quick with just two button presses so simple so it could be you're using it as a smartwatch, and then for whatever reason you, you're not going to you're finding you want to turn the touchscreen off all you do is you hold the top right hand button which is the start stop button and the bottom down button the bottom left hand button sorry together so it's like in a diagonal across and when you hold them in together the watch basically says touch screen off and then when you hold them in again repeat the process it says touch screen on so i suppose the other way you might use it you're recording an activity touch screen's automatically turned off but you just quickly think actually it's a lovely sunny day hands are dry i wouldn't mind using the touch screen i haven't got anything that's going to knock the watch like a long sleeve or anything rather than going into settings and doing it that way you're just going to hold that top start stop button you must hold the two together and the bottom down button together and it turns the touch screen on for you very good sass using the phoenix 7 watch how to switch on and off the touch screen and i suppose we're going to then move to the next top tip kind of ties in nicely you talk about gps units and screens so we've got sat map gps units montana 700s yeah so the it? next tip is actually the same for two makes of unit that we sell it's just john was joking about me doing a course in the sunshine last weekend if you looked at my last couple of courses prior to that even though you might have seen pictures in the sunshine that was a break in the rain <laughs> unfortunately i had a couple of weekends where it was just raining everyone enjoyed the course still but what i found is customers i'll start with the sat map first i did a sat map course in the peak district 
we had breaks where the sun was out, but we had this period where the rain was coming down. We've still got to get out there. Touch screens, as we know, when it's wet, aren't always great. The customers with the sat maps, you know, the screen's not working as good, you know, with it being wet. So on your sat map unit, so this is users with the sat map active 20, you can if it's chucking down with rain because you've got the option to just use buttons, a bit like we're talking about with a watch. You can turn off the touch screen by simply going to your main menu, settings, and you'll see one of the options as you scroll down the settings is touch screen, and then you've got the, the option to enable off. That's the Great. first thing. You could, I suppose, if you left the touchscreen on, you have got an option on the SatMap Active 20 where if you press the power button in once and let go, you see a little yellow padlock next to the power button. You press the power button once more, that actually locks the screen. And then to unlock it, you press the power button again, and then you get the option on the screen where you've got to say yes to unlock. The idea of locking the screen is if rain's chucking down on the screen, it's not going to make it move, and you can wipe the screen dry. So that's the Active 20 sat map. And then there's the Montana 700 is the other one you've got. Yeah, down. Montana 700. Again, some great features on there for if it's raining. First one I'll talk about is just locking the screen. So it's chucking down the rain. You're finding your Montana 700. The screen's doing funny things because of the rain hitting it. So what you can do is get it out of the rain, give it a wipe, and then what we recommend is there's a padlock icon. So just pressing the on-off button once and letting go, or actually swiping down from the top of the screen, you'll see on the, it's the same screen that comes up where you change the backlight level. There's a little padlock icon. If you touch on that padlock, the screen's now locked. You actually see a little padlock appear in the bottom left of the screen. That means when the screen's locked, if you've got a cloth with you, it's always worth carrying a cloth, dry cloth in your bag if you've got a touch screen unit. You can wipe the screen nice and dry, and then the screen will still move on the map as you walk, same as the sat map would, but the rain isn't affecting it. And if you do want to unlock it, the nice thing is with the Montana 700, it's a simple, you just press in the on-off button once gently, and it unlocks it. The other feature we discovered for you Montana 700 users, if you want to leave the touchscreen on, give this a try and give us some feedback and let us know how it works. It's not something we've used a lot ourselves, it's quite a new feature. If you go into the main menu on your Montana 700 by touching the house symbol, select setup, there's actually an icon called accessibility. Accessibility, accessibility yes. Yeah. When you touch an accessibility, one of the options is touch sensors, sensitivity. I kind of get my words out. Mm -hmm. Touch sensitivity. It's normally set as normal. We noticed recently about some of the last software updates. If you touch on where it says normal, there's an option that says rain. So if you touch on rain and then just come back out of that screen, it reduces the sensitivity. I did actually, I have had a course on a customer, sorry, on a course who did say he'd used that function before and just found it did make the screen perform a bit better in the rain. So it's worth having a look on the Montana 700 and that setup accessibility, touch sensitivity, and change it from normal to rain if it's raining. And it's really quite nice because I think when we did this on the Oregon, it didn't really work, but I think the Montana have stepped up and really improved yeah. that touch screen as well. And again, from my own experience with that Montana, it works with your gloves on as well, doesn't it? It's so, got a glove yeah. setting actually in that sensitivity it's, as well. But so. Even without that glove setting, I still found it was working okay. Yeah. So I was really pleased with that. Yeah. To find out more top tips, please do sign up to the GPS Training Online Resources pack full of videos. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on the online resource on the top menu bar. And finally, many thanks for listening to this month's GPS Training Podcast. If there's anything you would like us to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch. Please do get in touch, especially if you're thinking about buying a new outdoor GPS unit. And please do take a look at both our physical GPS training courses and also our webinars and our online uh, Zoom training courses, which have proven very uh, popular. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on <laughs> GPS Training Courses. If you can tell a friend about the GPS Training Podcast, about GPS Training, that is also very much appreciated. And if you can subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and give us a five-star rating, that is also very much appreciated. So many thanks, Andy, for joining me on the latest GPS Training Podcast. Thank you. And I think you're going to day off tomorrow and you're going to go walking around Kielder, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to run, walk, whatever we can, because I know some of it's still closed, but hopefully 26 miles tomorrow in the Kielder area. Yeah. Very good. What's the weather forecast then? 
I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm testing all my gear. So I'll have everything with this. I'll have my bivy bag, my wet gear, my dry gear. So don't mind. Uh, I suppose you, yeah, there's no point looking at the weather forecast. It's like the spine race. Whatever the weather's going to have to do I'm anyway. Have to do it, so, yeah, so, yeah. Very good. So thanks very much. And thanks everybody for listening to the latest GPS training podcast. Thanks for listening to the GPS training podcast. The monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. GPS navigation.